0: Oh, yeah.
1: Not a journalist. Is an absolute idiot. But that's okay. No, i time back. I'd like to be very tired someday. i get tired. Oh! Oh!
0: Send it in, Jerome! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Six Overtimes podcast, where we talk nothing but... Big East Hoops. I'm your host, Chaz Wagner. Joining us in Doylestown, PA, is Scott Wildermuth. What's up, man? Hey, Chaz. How you doing? Doing well, man. It is Wednesday, November 16th, and we are going to talk about the games from last night. And before we do, we want to show you where you can check us out online. We're at sixovertimes.us. That's our website. It's a Tumblr-themed one. Those guys do a great, great job for us getting the website up. You can email us, give us some comments, questions, anything uh, on your mind at 6overtimes at gmail.com. Call us up at 347-464-9360 or simply check us out on Twitter at our handle at 6overtimes. So Scott, how many, there were what, four games last night?
1: Four games last night and uh, West Virginia played at 10 in the morning.
0: That was uh, a little tough playing at 10 a.m., huh?
1: Yeah, I'm sure they were
0: sleepy. Sleepy in Morgantown, huh?
1: <laughs> yep, it's a sleepy city. But, you know, I, I think we should start off with Syracuse, who looks like the most impressive uh, team thus far.
0: Dude, they are so deep. I mean, their bench, I was watching the game, some of the game, and the announcer said Behheim is like a hockey coach this year because the guys, his 8, 9, and 10 guys, are more than capable to fill in and... What I'm getting at is James Sutherland last night had a quick, he ended up with 19, but the guy, I think he scored, he had 13 or 15 points in, in the first half, and it, it just came in, in bunches real quick.
1: Yeah, it was, the game was over before it even started. Um, Albany tried to put up a fight, but because Syracuse is so athletic and so talented and so deep that they just couldn't, they didn't have the horses to continue to fight up against them.
0: Yeah, and who I'm really impressed with coming off the bench is, is Deion Waiters. He didn't put up the points that he, that he has put up in the first two games, but he can really get to the hole. And I'm even more impressed with him getting to the hole from, from the backcourt than I am from Scoop Jardine or Brandon Trish. And I have not been that impressed with that starting backcourt thus far. Those guys only scored a combined 13 points from them last night and Scoop Jardine doesn't look that comfortable and fluid and smooth out on the court f- through these first three games.
1: Yeah, I think um, Brandon Trish last night was a little bit of an aberration for him. He has been good in the first two games, but you know he hasn't been close to as good as Deion Waiters is. And I'm impressed with Michael Carter-Williams, also who's a freshman who comes off the bench. He had four points, four rebounds, and four assists last night. I think it'll be really nice to have a fourth guard that's going to come off the bench for uh, Jim Behan's crew this year.
0: Yeah, and they're they're talking about uh they rated him as a as a shooting guard in high school all the all the scouts did, but I think he's really going to play that that point position as we've seen. Uh Fab Mello, looked he's still looking good. I don't think he had as good of a game, but you still see him making those those sloppy fouls reaching over the back on, on the offensive end and still is not fully comfortable with his body. And he'll make on the defensive end, he'll make fouls that he alters shots enough with his, his, his long arms and, and big body that he really doesn't need those ticky-tack fouls. And you can see Bayheim and the assistant coaches still trying to teach him and work with him and, and just eliminate those really dumb dumb mistakes out there.
1: Yeah, you're right. He looks sort of like a middle school kid that's still growing, but mm-hmm. his body hasn't like adjusted to the size that it's going to be or whatever. He sort of trips over his feet a little bit. Um, but with that said, he, he still had seven rebounds and that's still a nice game. And you like to see that from fab. Um, Raheem Christmas still contributing, which is important, had nine points. Um, but. I don't think we should spend too much more time on this because, with a twenty uh, plus twenty rebounding margin and the game being a twenty four point uh, contest, uh, I think that it was handily over before it even started.
0: Yeah, and the next game that uh, in the Big East was the Cincinnati Bearcats played Jacksonville State, and Cincinnati won seventy three to fifty nine over them and in, in like we said with the Syracuse game this game really wasn't close at all and it was it was the Bearcats finishing them off for, basically from the start.
1: Yeah, it was a I I believe it was a 14 point lead for Cincinnati real early and uh Cincinnati really didn't let it get back to single digits but Jacksonville State did cut it back to 10 with 2 minutes left and Cincinnati had to make sure that they had uh, had the gusto to close it out, but they did. And my main takeaway is that Yancey Gates had eight points, right? He had four assists, which means that they were trying to uh, pack it in inside, and then he was passing it out, and the team was hitting threes. They were drilling threes. They had eight of them, and uh, it's good to see that for a Cincinnati team that usually depends on interior scoring to win games.
0: Yeah, in these early games, you know Yancey Gates and Kilpatrick are are going going to show up when it counts. But you want to see the the Dion Dixon's and the Kashmir Rights contribute and get some basically get some confidence and and feel comfortable that they they can if there's an open shot or or or, or a lane to fill uh, in transition or um, in the half court that they're more than capable to to do those things.
1: Exactly, and um, the other thing that I was looking at is they had 17 assists on 27 made baskets. They had nine blocks. I think those are all positives when you look at the Bearcats from this for this year. Um, the one concern being that Jacksonville State isn't a huge team, so the rebounding margin uh, plus 13 isn't as good as it looks. Um, but you know, I think Cincinnati played well and. They're going to be a force in the conference for uh, for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, and the next game after Cincinnati and Syracuse that, that we wanted to talk about was Rutgers played down at Miami. And as we spoke about the other day, this was a good test, probably the toughest test for a Big East team thus far, especially on the road playing one of the big six conference teams. And I watched most of this game, and Rutgers looked really bad. They the score they lost by 15. It was 72 to 57. And it was basically a 12, 14, 15 point game throughout. They would cut it. There were instances where they they cut it to six or seven. And that that is a result of these fresh with six freshmen on the team and such a young, young squad. These guys aren't going to give up. They want playing time. They want to buy into. They're hungry. They're feisty. They want to buy into Mike Rice's system. So it's not as if they're a senior-laden team and they were down and they just packed uh, packed it in. These guys fought hard to the finish. And the only the only guy that I was really impressed with in this game was was Baruta.
1: Yeah. He was. He had a fantastic game, and I was con- I was confused as to why they didn't run the offense through him more because good good things seemed to happen when that when they did.
0: Yeah, and and Miami was was down most of their big men. One of them is dealing with an NCA violation. Another guy is is hurt, and yeah, they could have definitely taken advantage of that. And he had. Baruda was really active on the offense, on the glass in general, but on the offensive glass, he had seven offensive rebounds. He was the only guy that was very aggressive and showing, um, you know, showing heart and actually get getting on the floor and, and hustling.
1: Yeah, like I said, good things seemed to happen when Baruda had the ball in, in the offensive side of the court. What I didn't understand is that a lot of the guards, Miller and Carter, they seemed to just dribble and then take a shot. They didn't seem to pass it or get the other folks involved, and it ended up on being a one-on-five situation for Rutgers. Mm -hmm. Um, Miami actually did the same thing, but they got away with it because some of their shots fell.
0: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is the game on Friday night when Rutgers played Dartmouth, they only took four three-pointers. And you saw last night... Tuesday night game they took 23 three-pointers so they were definitely settling I don't think they worked the ball around as much they were chucking up a lot of shots quick shots not really setting up an offense and that eventually showed and they only took six free throws because they weren't trying to draw some contact and work it down low and this and that and 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 that's a reason for they had more turnovers, and and they weren't packing it, uh, getting it down low to Beruda or Johnson.
1: Yeah, and that's the one thing that I took out of these games that I was scared of. It's uh, they didn't make a free throw, and that's terrible. It's it's terrible, um, especially because they shot, I think, twenty three against Rutgers the night before, uh, or two nights before rather, and it seems like. They settled for jump shots like we were talking about, but also to me that may that means that they were a little bit intimidated by Miami's athleticism and, and their overall team chemistry. Um so that's a little concerning for me going forward. And hopefully Rutgers can get to the basket and uh convert on free throws and layups going forward.
0: Yeah, Malcolm Grant from Miami is is very athletic. He was he was hitting some bombs last night. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to have he's I think he's going to have a big year.
1: Yeah, and I I think the main takeaway though is that they are playing for Mike Rice. They are playing hard and that's something that you like to see when freshmen are buying into the program and buying into the team. Um hopefully that the guards can get the whole team more involved and they can get a, a easier buckets than having to take 21 or 23 three-pointers.
0: Yeah, and that Mack, Miles Mack and Jerome Seegers, the two freshmen, and they both play point, they really struggled with turnovers, took some ill-advised shots, and uh, Mike Rice even called a timeout just 30 seconds into the second half because Mack took a horrible three uh, really quick in the, in the shot clock, and then he didn't get back on 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 the fast break, and he tried to he tried to guard a guy twenty feet from the hoop when he was the like you said he was the only one back, and yeah and, and yeah he he called a timeout at the nineteen minute you know nineteen minute mark right away and and took out Mac at that time.
1: Yeah, and there were a couple other things that I took away as negatives for the Scarlet Knights. Um, they allowed twenty two points off of their turnovers, which was a lot because they only turned the ball over fourteen times. So you know, Miami converting on 11 of 14 turnover possessions. That seems ridiculous to me. And, uh, 15 secondhand chance points for the hurricanes as well. And you can't, you can't let that happen.
0: Yeah. So Scott, tell us about your, your local big East team, the Villanova Wildcats. They, they had a ball ball game last night against LaSalle.
1: Yeah. So they won, uh, 76, 69 over LaSalle in overtime. um, it was close the entire way through. Uh, you know, it was tied at with seven and a half minutes left, and then LaSalle started to take the lead towards the end of the second half. And if it weren't for Malik Wayans uh, drilling a three late in the game after LaSalle pushed it to five with about a buck ten left, um, you would have seen a you would have seen another Big East team go down yesterday, but. He did, and and he it was a great shot. And then, um, what's his name? Hilliard had a steal coming right off the uh, inbounds pass on the on the next possession for LaSalle, and had an easy bucket to tie the game. And they ended up going into overtime, um, where Nova's defense really prevailed and made everything so difficult for LaSalle to get anything easy or any shot to go in um this guy Sutton played unbelievably well uh at the end of the game there
0: and yeah he's a scrappy player
1: yeah and he's long and he's he was just contesting all these shots and he was making sure that like i said nothing was easy for uh the explorers
0: yeah and and uh your boy R- Yaru played another nice game he he grabbed 14 boards he had an awesome game, and there were some things that I didn't like about this this Villanova team. Uh, I I got to see some of the first half. They were 0 for twelve from three in the first half, and they ended up for they hit some in the second half. They were four for twenty three, but ch- kind of like Rutgers, they were they were chucking up a lot. They didn't work the ball around. They they'd be shooting with thirty seconds left on the shot clock, and ultimately, that you know they only had eight eight total assists. At, at the end of the night.
1: Yeah, it certainly didn't didn't happen uh, last night in the half-court offense. Uh, it was a lot of chucking, and that's evidenced by 35% shooting from the field. But there were good takeaways. I think Nova's defense is exceptional. Um, and going forward, I, I think that's, that's something that I like to watch. And they have a lot of bigs that can compete with guys in the Big East, so... Hopefully their defense continues all the way through the year. Um, not only that, but Malik Wayans grew up last night. He became a man. He became the point guard of the future. Not that he wasn't before, but he sort of established himself as the guy who's going to take over that long tradition of starting point guards at Villanova. And he was just a monster in overtime in the last seven minutes, even though he only shot five sixteen from the field. He made 10 free throws, and, you know, he just, he played with a lot of heart, and he won the game for them.
0: Yeah, they, they shot exceptional from the line. Him and him and Domi Cheek hit, hit a ton, I think Cheek hit 12 free throws.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, with that said, they did have 20 turnovers. Their shooting from the field was absolutely atrocious, and, you know, they even let LaSalle creep back into it with one minute left in overtime, and... It got closer than the seven-point and uh, score uh, indicates.
0: Yeah, and moving on, the uh, another Big East team to lose yesterday. We we spoke a little bit about it. Was West Virginia went down to the Kent State Golden Flashes, and Kent State. Before we talk about West Virginia, Kent State's a good team. Don't don't look at this and say, well, what a bad loss. West Virginia did lose to Northern Kentucky in an exhibition game and struggle with Oral Roberts, but uh, it's not as much a very disappointing loss to West Virginia, but it just shows, um, it further exemplifies that Kent State, they are the f- favorite to win the MAC this year, and I think they, they just showed signs of that, that potential.
1: Yeah, it's another mid major school sort of building up their program and saying we can run with the big boys. And I think they're gonna be in the tournament when uh it's all said and done.
0: Absolutely. They've won the Mac regular season the last two years. They'll probably do it again. It's just whether uh you know they, they need to do well in the Mac tournament to, to get a good seed. So the the end result of this game was Kent State won seventy to sixty. They won by ten points and about what they pulled away with ten minutes left in the, in the second half, they held this lead all throughout. It wasn't it wasn't uh, something late where they they just pulled away. They they controlled the tempo and the flow of this game throughout this, the the second half. And Kevin Jones played well. He had fifteen points. He pulled out down a ton of boards with with eighteen boards. But the the main reason for this loss was Truck Bryant was was really, really bad. He committed six turnovers. He took a lot of bad shots. And it was that what we were worried about, one of the questions was, can he play controlled basketball? And and he didn't do that yesterday.
1: Yeah, he proved that that's going to be difficult for him all throughout the year. Um, great things to take away from this game, though, if you're a West Virginia fan. Kalichka continues to be a force, um, both offensively and on the glass, he had fifteen rebounds and eleven points um, between him and Jones. they had thirty three boards so you know when you when you can put together two guys in the low post like those guys um, you're going to be in a lot of games,
0: yeah, and Colitia grabbed six offensive boards, so even though he w- he only shot three for ten from the field, he was crashing the the offensive glass pretty well and you saw the freshman really struggle in this game Jabari Hines had 13 points but Keaton Miles another freshman that is is starting at the basically the the 3 position the the small forward he didn't score a bucket I know they're not counting on him to be the main scorer but he he needs to contribute for this ball club to do well and Gary Brown we I talked I was very impressed with him in the Oral Roberts game he had a, a freshman game he he came back to earth and he really struggled, and Aaron Brown played played okay, but you saw the freshman uh, go through some growing pains in this one.
1: Yeah, but let's not skirt over how Jabari Hines has played so far this year. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a legitimate uh, point guard or off guard going forward, so that's an exciting thing if you're a West Virginia fan as well. Um, the negatives from this game, it, it's... It's tough to win when you shoot two of twelve from three point land and and only thirty seven percent from the field so
0: and and they struggle at the free throw line yeah
1: um their efficiency needs to really improve going forward as far as scoring the basketball or else they're in for a very long season so uh another thing that we like to do on the six overtimes podcast is have a player of the night from uh the night previous and my best player from last night was Malik Wayans. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but he won this game for Villanova. He, was, he had ice in his veins. He drilled a three at the end of um, regulation to bring it within two points. And then in overtime, he drilled a three to make sure that Nova took the lead and they did not uh, let the lead go after that. Um, Malik Wayans from, from my uh, neck of the woods at Villanova. Get scott's player of the night
0: yeah and for my player of the night i was gonna say the whole syracuse bench but one guy in particular coming off the bench i could say james sutherland or bay musa bay musa kata. and i'm gonna go with uh mr kata he he was awesome he was six for six from the field he grabbed five boards and all of those were at the offensive end and the guy only played 14 minutes, and it's it, Bayheim has a has a real problem on his hands. How do I, how do I get these guy, this guy minutes with with Mello playing well and, and Christmas? But I was really impressed with with Bay. He's he he crashes the boards. He's active. Um, he's got a he's got a quick uh, quick ups. So he, I think he had two blocks last night too. So he alters shots, gets up and down the floor really well. I think uh, I think better than Mello, even though even though Mello has shed weight this year. You know, just a really really good night from uh, from Bay Musicati. He's my he's my player of Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, and he'll push Mello to be better as well. Yep. Uh, my worst player from last night, and we t- we talked about him earlier. It's Chuck Bryant taking 13 shots and only getting 12 points. That's efficiency. That. <laughs> can't even be defined. That's that's just terrible. And then on top of that, the six turnovers, when the ball is in his hands for most of the game, and most of the, uh, he's the one making decisions, and he's going to lose his starting point guard gig to Jabari Hines if he continues to play like this. Um, they really need him to do, to show some sort of leadership and control on the offensive side of the ball, uh, or else it's, it's gonna get ugly and it's gonna get ugly fast.
0: Yeah, Scott, I got a feeling that Truck Bryant that's not gonna be the last time he wins the worst player of the night award. Just got a got a funny <laughs> there funny too. feeling about it. Yep. Same. Alright, well my worst player of Tuesday night has to be Dane Miller from Rutgers. They went on the road down to Miami as as we spoke of, and I wanted to see him show leadership say show everyone that he wants to take the shot, he wants the ball in his hands. And you know what? He didn't show that at all. He only scored 7 points. He was 3 for 9 from the field and he wasn't active. He didn't display any assertiveness that I think he needs being a junior on this on this ball club with six freshmen. And the only person that that really showed that heart and that grit that's needed to win road games was Baruta. Dane Miller needs needs to start start showing that and be the be the guy that that wants to take the shot and he also the shots that he did take he doesn't like to draw contact. Uh Ruckers only shot 6 free throws last night. So he needs to be someone that's going to get to the, get to the hole, get in the lane and be willing to draw contact and get to the line. So, yeah, Rutgers
1: really does need to get to the line, and they, they need to make sure that that happens just to increase their ability to make easy shots. Um, they're a team that doesn't seem like they're going to shoot really really great from the field, so they need to get extra buckets somewhere. Definitely. So, I mean, looking ahead to Wednesday night basketball for the Big East teams, um, we got Long Beach State against Pitt at 9 o'clock on ESPNU. Um it seems to be a pretty good game. I think Long Beach State is predicted to do
0: quite well out, out in the West there. Yeah, LBSU, Jay Billis is 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 high on them this year.
1: Yeah, so that'll be an interesting game to check out and, and see what they got to offer. Um and then we also have Florida Southern visiting USF at seven o'clock and Sam Houston State at Notre Dame at seven thirty. So a light schedule. Seems like uh, Notre Dame should really take that pretty handily, and uh, USF should probably win that too. But you know, we'll we'll see how the games go, and and we'll talk about them tomorrow.
0: And thank God for the NBA lockout. I believe the Long Beach and Pit game was originally on ESPN three, but because of the greed of the of the NBA, this game has now been pushed to ESPNU because whatever game was on ESPNU has been moved down to. ESPN Deuce and, and all the way down the line.
1: Oh, nice,
0: yeah. Nice. So, Scott, what you you got a little bet uh, you want to be throwing down tonight? What are we What are we looking for on the on the gambling end of things?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to uh, start making a lot of bets on on the podcast and and see where I shake out at the end of the season on Big East hoops. Um, unfortunately, the only game on on the docket tonight is Long Beach State at Pitt. The other games aren't offered on the books. Um, I'm taking the under of 144 for that game. It seems like the line's a little inflated after Pitt's racked up a bunch of points early in the two games against lesser opponents. Um, Long Beach State only put up 69 points in their win uh, in their opener. So I think they're going to try to dictate the speed of the game a little bit and not let Pitt have so many possessions. I, I just, I think the under's a solid bet for uh, this
0: evening. Nice, man.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening uh, to the Six Overtimes podcast. Once again, you can find us on iTunes or at sixovertimes.us. Um, if you have any questions regarding what we're talking about, you think that we're right or do you think we're absolutely wrong, you can reach us at sixovertimes at gmail.com um, or tweet us over at Six Overtimes. Thanks again for uh, listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace, guys.